Boom. <laughs> We're ready. Okay. Welcome to the very first episode of the Vampire Book Club, the podcast where we read books about scary things and then laugh about them. Very creepy. Very creepy. I'm Charlie. And I'm Jamie. And today we are discussing The Castle of Otranto by Horace Walpole. Um, We were initially going to do Twilight as our first episode, but um, we just didn't and now eight months later here we are ready to record exactly with a different book which we have done significantly less prep for so we're just gonna see how it goes Mm -hmm. okay so the castle of otranto jamie what was your perception of the castle of otranto before you read it or even as you're reading it well i know that it was supposed to be you know like the progenitor of uh the gothic genre Aside from that, I knew absolutely nothing about it. I think I've seen seen clips. I've heard about it, and that was basically it. So I came into it pretty blind. When did you read it first? I read it first when I was about 15, I think. And I uh, had the same reaction as many of the reviewers were going to come to. In, <laughs> um, in that I had absolutely no clue what was going on. But now... As a uh, as a as a big human of twenty four, I think we've plotted the, <laughs> the family tree pretty well. It is it is an absolute mess, which I think is is interesting considering it's kind of enduring popularity. Mm-hmm. It was first published in seventeen sixty four for the first time, and then republished with a different preface where he owned up to writing it. Yeah, it was not after it was after he realised that people liked it. was him. not William Marshall. <laughs> Basically. It was actually Horace Walpole. It was him all along. Exactly. Yes. And yeah, I think, I can't remember when I first, I think I read it quite, for the first time quite recently. Mm-hmm. I think it was like, maybe like last year or the year before, while I was trying to like, Why get, did you read it? Cause just to get some books that I should have read off my list. <laughs> and I tried to read Anne Radcliffe's Mysteries of Udolpho, and that was just long. And then I found this one and I was like, oh, this is significantly shorter. I'm sure I can... I can power through this. <laughs> it was and, short. Uh, it is, it's a very different book to The Mysteries of Udolpho. Um, and yeah, I think it's I think it's hilarious. I read it all in one sitting, uh, in the bath, and every time the bath would get cold, I would just let some of the cold water out and then put some hot water in. And um, yeah, it was quite the, quite the experience. <laughs> I read a pretty... I, I didn't read it. I listened to the audiobook this time round, because... I haven't got time to read. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the narrator was very theatrical, which I thoroughly enjoyed. He really, he really brought it to life. <laughs> Good, because it is wild. It is wild. Um, let's read some of the reviews, see what other people are thinking about. I have. So I have three reviews here from um, just Google. I believe they've been pulled from Good uh, Goodreads or something like that. Jacob O'Grady a year ago says, yo, I preferred Hotel Transylvania, to be honest. <laughs> and uh, two people found this helpful. <laughs> two people? So... Who told you, is Hotel Transylvania the, the Disney movie? The Disney... <laughs> I think, well, it's, um, it's definitely a movie. It's like an animated movie. I've not seen it myself, but... Um, it's got Adam Sandler voicing Dracula, doesn't <laughs> it? <laughs> Move over, Nosferatu. 
<laughs> Bella Lugosi, eat your heart yeah. out. <laughs> the second one is uh, from Bailey Any a year ago, which was, the book was old and doo-doo, big disappointment. <laughs> and one person found this helpful. So <laughs> the book was the, old and The reviews are coming in, Horace, and uh, the contemporary crowd are not loving it. And yet it's as still much as... enduring. Exactly. In popular culture, which, yeah, I think that's an interesting thing about it. And then finally, DT Photography, four months ago, so fairly recent, recently, Said, uh, gave it two stars. I don't know if I mentioned it. I can't remember, but the other two reviewers gave it a gave it a a one. <laughs> but DT Photography says, I love gothic literature, but this is like a bad soap opera. It started interesting, so I thought, and quickly turned conv- and quickly turned convoluted plot, crazy characters, just plain ridiculous. And is that not the like you've said enduring attraction of it that it is? Wild. It is fucking wild. And I think that's part of the convention of Gothic is that it's just this it's it seemed to have garnered this reputation of being like all really lofty and kind of you know, important. And it is in a lot of ways, but it is also fucking ridiculous yeah. <laughs> in so many other Exactly. It is extremely ridiculous. And like like you said, like Horace was pretty self conscious about its sort of um I suppose cheesiness <laughs> that when it did get a pretty good reception um he claimed it and he was like this is mine this is not um, <laughs> it was me it this was is I. not oh god i'm not gonna even oh, no i am gonna attempt it anufrio moralto he's a italian alter ego translated by william marshall exactly a gentleman. <laughs> a gentleman translator. These two people were responsible for this and, you know, they're, they're dead because this was written in the 1500, said uh, Horace. And it was found in a... Yeah, there's this whole backstory. It was like, it's found in a in an attic in this old family house mm-hmm. that, you know, was Catholic and they hid it away and I've discovered it and now I'm going to tell you the story. And, and the, it's all a lie. The layout of the castle is just too specific for this to be completely rooted in, in fiction. So maybe the castle of Otranto did exist somewhere. <laughs> and then he comes out and he's like, yep, I made it up. And it was great, wasn't it? <laughs> well, not, not that it was great. Love it. Not that it was great. It was just like, you know, this is this is the ideas that I had behind it um, and, and how I wanted it to be received and how it was received. Mm. Which I think is it. interesting. And we will discuss the two separate prefaces mm-hmm. in a bit. Mm-hmm. But before we get on to that, let's try and detangle to some degree the plot and the family tree. So... Okay, start with a, a, a little summary. Mm-hmm. Basically, it all starts... It all kicks off. It, it all kicks off in a tranto when uh, Conrad, the prince who is in line for the... A tranto, principality, the yeah. Principality, the throne of a tranto. We're never actually told, like, how... How, how important no. <laughs> Tranto is yeah. to, to anywhere else. Uh, it's all very insular. Um, he is crushed by a giant helmet. Is it on the day of his wedding? Or the, it is on the day of his is, wedding. Is, is, yeah, it's, it's very uh, it's very poetic. Um, he's crushed by a massive helmet um, and dies. And quite horribly. Quite horribly. And uh, this kicks off a lot of shit because Manfred, his dad, who is the current ruler of Otranto, is like, holy shit, there's this fucking prophecy that says that 
the line is the bloodline is gonna end and we're not gonna be in charge of a trance anymore and this is the beginning of it holy fuck and that is the start what then happens is a concatenation of shit basically Mm -hmm. they manfred decides to imprison a young peasant named theodore under the helmet because he uh, he he got a bit smart he got a bit smart and pointed out interestingly that the helmet looks distinctly like that of the massive statue of alfonso who was, is he the founder of Otranto? Or yeah. is he just, he's just a big deal in Otranto? <laughs> yeah. He's a massive deal. Quite literally, as you'll uh, come to find out. He's a massive, massive deal. Massive deal. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so Manfred decides to, to imprison him for his impertinence under the helmet um, and decides that he is going to divorce his barren wife Hippolyta <laughs> um, and instead marry um, Conrad's bride-to-be Isabella, Isabella. Um, so that she can bear him a son and that this prophecy isn't going to come to pass so when he tells Isabella this she runs away she does uh, and Go, she goes to the, the dungeons of the castle and is looking for a way to escape. And then Theodore's there somehow. We never find out how we got out from under the helmet. Oh, I think he, I think the, uh, I think it was, I think it was that he fell through the, the floor. I think, I think the, the helmet is so heavy. No, I'm, I think the helmet is so heavy that it like broke up the stone above and he basically just like slipped through. <laughs> it's true, it's true. Okay, okay, okay. So he slipped through the stone, landed in this in this cellar, this dark passageway, and he helps Matilda. Matilda? He helps Isabella to escape. And then Manfred comes in and he's really annoyed. And he's he's like, kind of weird in that scene. He just Manfred opens the door weird. and then just is sort of like waiting in the shadows. Like he doesn't, he's, he's just fallen through from, he's been imprisoned <laughs> beneath a helmet then fallen through the floor and is just sort of like skulking in the dark. Like he's not like, help, help me. Because at this, as far as we know at this point, he's just some peasant boy. We don't know that he's, um, spoilers. Spoilers <laughs> <laughs> that we all come to. Um, Manfred. Uh, dislikes the attitude that he gets because he's like, where's Isabella? And Theodore's like, I don't know. <laughs> and uh, Manfred's like, you must know. And so has him imprisoned again. Does mm-hmm. he? Ha- yeah, he has him imprisoned again. Um, he's imprisoned like four times in this. It's really hard to keep track. So Theodore's imprisoned again. Then two of Manfred's uh, servants run in, G- Diego and Jacques, and yep. say that there's... The castle is being haunted and they've seen a massive foot ghost in the Great Hall or somewhere. A giant foot. A giant foot that's haunting the castle. Mm-hmm. And Manfred's like, this is silly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then and then and then what happens? What happens after that bit? Then we get is that oh yes, yeah, so Father Jerome comes along. Mm-hmm. Because Manfred's like, I need to, A, find Isabella. Oh, no, that's a bit, yeah. Isabella runs to the the church. Yes. Where Father Jerome is. Mm -hmm. Father Jerome then comes to Manfred to short the shit out. Yeah, he's like, you are not marrying this girl. Absolutely not. No divorce. (laughs) (laughs) It's a sin against God, blah, 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 all of that. And Manfred's like, shut the hell up. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to do what I want. Um, and 
uh, says that Father Jerome has to bring Isabella to him. And then Father Jerome's like, no. And then somehow, because that's the bit where where Theodore's suddenly there again. And I can't remember how he... Is it how they, how he got there? Where we are in the castle? It's all very vague. Theodore. Well, he gets himself into Manfred's good graces for a hot second. Oh, yeah, he says he's going to go and see the ghost. How he, he does it. And then... Yeah, yeah, he's gonna go see the ghost with him, um, and then I think Manfred then immediately, yeah, it, it turns on him and imprisons him again. But he doesn't get taken away, and that's when Father Jerome comes in, mm-hmm. and then Theodore's being annoying again. Manfred finds him annoying, and so he's like, "I'm gonna kill you." <laughs> Um, and then Theodore takes off his shirt and there's a birthmark or an, it's a mark, mark shaped like an arrow or something. And Jerome loses his mind. He's like, this is my son! My long lost son! My son! And it turns out that Father Jerome was uh, secretly a rich guy. An earl. An earl before he took... He pledged, himself to, <laughs> he pledged himself <laughs> to uh, GG. <laughs> the big G. Um, and that he had a son who has been long lost, and this is Theodore. And uh, he pleads with Manfred to let him go. And Manfred says, I will let him go if you bring me Isabella. And oh, Barbara side Trump. note as well. By this point, uh, <laughs> also Manfred is also doubly hating uh, Theodore because people keep saying, oh, but doesn't he look like... Alfonso and Manfred's like he doesn't look like Alfonso stop saying he looks like Alfonso because he doesn't so um but we just we know he he does does. (laughs) he looks looks like like this this guy and we'll get to Alfonso in a second Mm -hmm. but this is a big problem for Manfred for prophecy reasons so (laughs) anyway at this point Father Jerome agrees to bring Isabella in exchange for his son's life and then a knight with a massive sword turns up um, who doesn't take off his helmet so we don't know who he is and he doesn't say anything mm-hmm. it's all a bit weird they go for like he, Manfred well, but he know. basically threatens to so one of his servers like says like oh I'm here with this guy and on behalf of this guy Friedrich who is Isabel's father and he wants her back and you can't marry her off uh, soz and so the this knight is just there um and Manfred's like holy shit now I've got to deal with this so he takes him off to to a banquet and uh Father Jerome goes off to find Isabella but Father Jerome like Isabella by this point has gone she's she's left the 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 church um because somehow she's found out oh yeah one of the friars tells her that Father Jerome's made this deal and she's like, I'm a go. And then Father Jerome's like, oh shit, now I'm gonna have to go and tell Manfred that like, I I've lost, his, I've lost daughter. his daughter, but also like, please don't kill my son. As you know his daughter, I've lost Isabella. Yeah, so he goes back to the castle. In the meantime, Manfred is trying to entertain this silent knight who won't <laughs> take his armour off. And won't have any food or enjoy himself at all. And he's just sat there silently and Manfred's like, this is awkward, I'm trying to trying to entertain you here. <laughs> it doesn't work. And also this guy's just threatened him at the door and being like, I'm taking the Principality of Otranto. And Manfred's like, no, you're fucking not. You're absolutely not. But you know what? I come to dinner. Come to dinner. You know, I will show you. I will show you that good gothic hospitality and um, sit you at my table and we will feast. And uh, Friedrich is like, and he's trying really hard. Yeah, he's like sat there like 
I'm going to duel you or your champion <laughs> at some point. So let's just get this over with. Yes. So at this point, we discover that he is Friedrich. I think he takes off his helmet or something and he's like, ah, I wasn't dead all along because supposedly then we find out that he wasn't killed in the Holy Wars like we all thought. He's actually alive and he's here to get his daughter back. And then Father Jerome runs in and is like, Isabella's good, we've lost her. And he's like, what the fuck have you been doing with my daughter? And Manfred's like, wop wop. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, and so Frederick runs off to go and find Isabella. Mm. Um, then where does it go then? It goes to, Bianca has a weird conversation with Theodore, which is not relevant. Theodore... Oh no, Matilda. Is mm. it Matilda? Is this a Matilda fit? Matilda lets Theodore out of prison. Yes. He's been imprisoned again. She gives him some armour. They have a romantic moment where they both realise they're head over heels in love for each other, even though they've only just met. Mm-hmm. Um, she lets him out and he goes off into the woods where he discovers Isabella hiding in a cave. Mm-hmm. And. It's like, I will not let anyone through the mouth of this cave. I will die protecting you. Even though there's really no reason (laughs) why you should be doing this. Well, Isabel is like, well, that's well, that's great. Thank you. (laughs) That's great. And then a knight approaches the uh, mouth of the tunnel, and uh, there's no communication whatsoever (laughs) as to who anyone is. Like it's just just pure testosterone fueled (laughs) dueling. Like it's just like you are not coming in here and seeing Isabella and then the knight is like yes I am and then you know there's a there's a there's a short exchange in which swords are involved and the knight is um is maimed quite it's implied to be he's like, bad yeah, it's, on his, it's weird because he's on his deathbed and then they find well not on his deathbed he's like dying and they're like holding him and he's like oh no oh where's Isabella my daughter and they're like oh my god you're and, the thing was like, and they're oh. like oh shit we just killed your father yeah. and then and then they take him back to the castle and uh, he's fine. Uh, they put him in bed. Yeah. And he's, he's, yeah. he's they, they just they give him a yeah. He, he just has a lay down. Yeah. He's implied to be like he's implied to be like you know on 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 death's door. Yeah, on, like laying in the field. Somebody read him his last rites. Like oh my god. And then yeah, he just has a lay down and he's ready to. Ready he's to fine. Get, he's ready. He's fine. fine. He he gets the hots on for Matilda, who mm-hmm. is Manfred's daughter, Conrad's brother. Oh my god, we'll go through the we'll go through the mm-hmm. fucking family tree in a minute, but <laughs> but so they're all crowded round his deathbed, not deathbed. Sick bed. Sad bed. And they're all there and Manfred seems to have forgotten that he's imprisoned Theodore, he's just left to roam. Well no, because well, what happened they like Frederick tells his story, mm-hmm. and then Manfred comes in and he's like, "Oh my God, it's the ghost of Alfonso!" Because he's in this weird, like, old armor. Yeah. And it's Theodore, and then they're like, it's "How Theodore, the hell did bro. you get out?" And yeah. then he's like, because he doesn't want to th- throw Matilda under the bus. He's like, um, "Oh, my dad let let me out." And Father Jerome's like, "Yeah, fuck you. Yeah, yeah I let him out. I totally let him out. I totally Dick. did that." <laughs> yep. And then they all just depart ways. Um, uh, very randomly, and in in the meantime, Frederick gets sees Matilda. He gets the hots for Matilda. He wants to marry Matilda. Manfred says, "If you let me marry your daughter Isabella, you can marry Matilda." And Frederick's like, "Oh, okay, Frederick's like, like Frederick's like at, at this point implied to be sort of like addled by blood loss as well." And he's like, "You know, he, he's on his he's he's on his stab bed." Well, but like we fine. said, <laughs> he's fine, but he's also like affected by the injuries. He's just like he's not going to die. Like, he's definitely not going to die, but. He's he is, Ill. he is, he's ill. Like he's, he's, he's infirm. And Manfred's like, great. I can Perfect. use this to my advantage. I can, I can 
can I can join our two families together so that um, my claim to a Tranto will be the only legitimate one. Yeah. And so they all go away, kind of... The women are kind of a bit put out of the having to marry these men, mm-hmm. these gross old men. Um, and uh, they have a weird conversation about it because Isabella saw that Theodore looked at Matilda. Oh, is this the one where they have, like... Look- back and they're Isabella's like, like I find him hot and it's all they have this they're like abruptly no, they, awkward conversation that hot conversation they have as well where Isabella's like why would I like Theodore he nearly killed my dad like why would I like him like do you like him though do you like him though <laughs> he's you don't like him yeah. do you like him he nearly killed my dad you shouldn't like him because he nearly killed my dad just so you know and then they basically um, I don't even remember how this um, conversation is like reconciled to itself but after that they're like I'm sorry we were sisters we've known each other for so long you have him Matilda you have Theodore and then Hippolyta comes in and is like no you have to marry these gross old men Hippolyta at this point as well like Father Jerome has been like you don't get divorced and she's like I will do anything that Manfred says that Manfred says I will do um, anything that he says so if and then he's like, "No, don't get divorced." Like, like he, she even gets told, like, you know, his his actual his actual desire is to, like, you know, just like sack you off to a nunnery and like get marries a brother and like have 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 a son. But she's not like fine with it. She's just resigned, resigned to, to the fact that this. I guess this is gonna happen. You know, like <laughs> fine. Then, I guess. Yeah. So that so that's the end of the women. Um, <laughs> that's basically as much as we ever hear from them. Mm-hmm. And then then what happens? Then it all gets very. Then it all gets very complicated. Mm-hmm. So there are a few banquets, there are a few ghosts, but basically what we find out is that Frederick was given this massive sword by a hermit in the woods who was on his who was, dying. was on his deathbed. Um and he was given he was given these instructions to give this knight the sword, the massive sword by Saint Nicholas. It's all very like, you know, religious and, you know, holy in this whole destiny. And everyone is kind of just mooching around, kind of seeing ghosts. Um, things are happening in the castle. And then the next big thing that happens is, what is it? Mat- Isabella. Mm-hmm. No, Matilda goes to meet Theodore mm-hmm. in the church mm. for some loving. And Manfred follows them, thinking that it's his daughter Isabella. No, no, sorry, his, sorry, not his daughter Isabella. Isabella, the Isabella. One, who, who, who wishes yeah. to uh, wear. Matilda's his daughter. Matilda goes th- and he, yeah, Matilda goes mm-hmm. to the church to meet Theodore. He thinks it's Isabella and goes to kill her yes. for having this tryst behind his back, mm-hmm. and he kills her. But it turns out that it was Matilda, and so he's just killed his own daughter, and he's racked with grief. Yeah, he tries. He wants to kill himself, but then Theodore like jumps on him. Yeah, and um, there's this whole dramatic sequence of you know all these terrible things happening, and then basically the story is resolved when Isabella agrees to marry. Theodore is somehow, and we've tried to work it out, we don't really know how, but he's suddenly found to be the rightful heir of Otranto. Mm-hmm. Isabella decides to marry him, and Manfred goes off with Hippolyta to lead a Christian life of solitude. And that's basically the story, and if you didn't follow that, neither did we. That, yeah. <laughs> Precisely. <laughs> I have, though, are we going to go, we're going to move on to the family tree. Let's go through the family tree. I have, quickly. though, uh, sat here... 
and on a sheet of paper plotted um, the family tree for so mostly so that we can speak about it with any sort of confidence. So, <laughs> just to remind, we us have the mixing so, names. We've like I've, like we've mentioned. Alfonso the Good, the uh, the rightful owner of Otranto, the uh, long dead but massive still very much deal. the massive deal. Massive deal. <laughs> oh, we also excluded the fact, you know, where like the castle basically falls apart, and then there's like a, oh, Alfonso yeah. is like there, and uh, and the sword falls at one point, and he's like the statue's crying blood. It's all very it's gothic. It's but... very very uh, gothic. Um, but yeah, I, I, he I think Alfonso specifically says that like Theodore is. Um, Theodore is. Oh, hold on. No. <laughs> Wait. One second. We've got the book here, so we're just flicking through it. <laughs> what bit are you looking for? I'm trying to look for the bit where Alfonso, the ghost of Alfonso, appears. Like the the, the wall falls down in a, a tranto, and then he like says some shit. He says some he shit. Says, he lays some hard truths. He lays down something. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> No, I don't think I've uh This is this is the the stabbing. No, okay. Well, the ghost of Alfonso turns up and and, and speaks some uh spits some shit. But Alfonso is meant to be like the the true ruler. He's like this legend guy. Mm-hmm. He's long dead, but everyone really respects him. Um and he's like the start of this whole mess of a family tree. So he will say some stuff. Um, I he, when Charlie's talking later, maybe I'll flick through the book and find exactly what he says so that but, <laughs> I can talk about it with some confidence. The, the fact, yes, <laughs> we will find it. But that Alfonso. was th- that was a yeah. So Alfonso, the big deal, the big Al- cheese, yeah, <laughs> the very massive cheese. The mer- very he cheese. um, were he went to fight in the Holy Land in the Holy in the Holy War, the Crusades. Um, he was never thought to have sired uh, a child. However, he did um, with a woman called Victoria. Uh, but he didn't want it known that he was wedded when he was on the crusade because he thought it was it would it, it was unchristian. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't great knowledge. It was kept very secret. Um, he dies. I'm not going to say who murders him, but that's also important. He dies, um, and Victoria has a nameless gal. Uh, she's written down on my notes here. They, she, they, he has a daughter with Victoria. Who has another... Um, does he have another... Does she have then a nameless gal, or is there only one There's only gal? one nameless gal. It doesn't matter. One nameless gal. Somewhere down the line. <laughs> one nameless Father gal. Father Jerome sleeps with a nameless gal. Who, who is, is Alfonso's daughter. descendant of Alfonso. Father Jerome, when he was in his in his slutty Earl days, <laughs> slutty Earl, slutty Earl Jerome, yeah, had a uh, sex with a the nameless gal, wedded her, all the rest of it, and they had Theodore, which is why Theodore looks so much like Alfonso because Alfonso is his granddaddy. But like I said, Alfonso died in the Holy Land. Um, who killed him? You ask. <laughs> Only Manfred's grandfather. Ricardo. Ricardo. So maybe there is another nameless gal somewhere there in is here. A, is there another nameless gal? It doesn't. It doesn't matter. No, it's not important. Yeah, they're not. They're not people. No. <laughs> exactly. They're just wombs. <laughs> they are. You're exactly right. They're just wombs. So, yeah. Ricardo kills Alfonso, which is Manfred's granddad, uh, and creates a fictitious will of uh, of of usurpation. I do hope that's a word. <laughs> um, and takes the Principality of Otranto 
uh, onto himself and his family. Uh, obviously, uh, Hippolyta and Manfred. Uh, Hippolyta. Hippolyta. My God. <laughs> I was thinking about it too. I, like, I was just thinking about sausages. Before this, I was like, I, I, I need to stop calling her Hippolyta like the sausage. I, don't hope, I do hope I don't do it in the podcast. First time saying her name, do it. Hippolyta and Manfred, obviously in Eitan, they have a Matilda and Conrad, who at the beginning of the novel, uh, Matilda's like, oh, my father, uh, you're led to believe that Manfred loves Conrad and loathes Matilda. In reality, he just fucking hates both his children. When he's trying yeah, to... Yeah, he's talking about Conrad, like he's just a weakling. Yeah, when he's blah, trying blah, to... He's when... sickly and I can rely on him. Yeah, and... when he's trying to uh, basically assault Isabella, he's like, you're not sorry for Conrad dying. And you know what? Neither am I. He's like, he, he was, was a weakling. Weak. He didn't deserve you. Exactly. <laughs> but me, I'm a real man. I'm a real man. And you are a real woman. You can make me a boy like you said wombs but she's resistant to her um to being a walking womb um <laughs> to an extent so she uh she yeah to an extent and she she dies so so poor matilda no that was, i'm saying isabella was resistant oh to being isabella womb. she she runs away from uh from yeah Manfred. and then she marries theodore so that's all so i guess she does kind yeah of she's just kind of really <laughs> we can't really work out how he's related to alfonso but they are related and so he before Theodore somehow before, blood relative of somehow Alfonso. blood relative before Theodore is proclaimed to be a direct descendant and they realise this Friedrich and his family are meant yeah, to be yeah they've got the best claim yeah they have so, but they've been usurped mm-hmm. by by Manfred's family mm-hmm. um, and that's kind of yeah that's the family tree we'll, we'll, we'll head back to it no doubt when we're and then we, we, you have sort of like other characters dotted around like Bianca the 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 scared maid and then other scared servants and then the hermit who passes my favorite character because <laughs> he's just uh, he just he just exists to be a spooky bit and who doesn't like a spooky bit but that's yeah that's the big that's the big part that's the big part that everyone needs to those are the big ones mm. and that's how everyone's kind of related and it's it really took us a while to mm-hmm. figure that out it was not easy um, and a lot of it comes it's just complete exposition at the end as well it's like oh this is how everything it's like oh okay. and then it ends and then the novel's ends, just done like, okay okay fine <laughs> which is which is which is what i was saying earlier about how um it's kind of gothic in structure um because it is so convoluted and difficult to follow it's kind of like i read something that was like it's sort of all kind of you know a really good metaphor mm. for the for the for the structure and for the kind of the plot line is kind of like the very gothic aesthetic of like winding corridors and mm-hmm. like dungeons and stuff because it's you know and who's behind the door you don't know it's all it's all just uh, a mess but purposefully purposeful it's, mess there's a purposeful <laughs> gothic mess Same. um yeah so uh, and it's all yeah the thing about it is it depends I don't know, maybe listeners, you've read it, maybe you haven't. Uh, if you have, you will either have a copy with quotation marks or you won't. And, and if you have, you can correct us on some uh, yes, stuff. Because, <laughs> because it was originally published without quotation marks because grammar wasn't standardised at this point. However, Walpole really just fucks around with that and doesn't make it clear at all who is speaking. And so you have these very kind of gothically structured sentences where it kind of all falls into one and it's kind of like... It's very like it's very difficult to navigate. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's kind of a, a complicated read, and mm. so I can see like why people 
are kind of put off by that and call think it, it's a bit ridiculous. Yeah, uh, doo-doo, I think. Yeah, and the use of deliberately archaic language and it's all it's all designed to be... Don't you, you know, know it was written in the 1500s? Euphoria, But it's all designed to be incredibly gothic and this is why, you know, it's, it's the original gothic novel and this is this is why it's established so many of those kind of kind of tropes mm-hmm. um and it was sort of the first one uh to do that and uh it's 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 frustrating because there are so many questions in the plot that are left without a resolution yeah. like where the fuck do all the ghosts come from yeah. how does the helmet land on comrade how like, does it get grow larger because <laughs> it's implied that like why this is ridiculously shape? large like i remember when i first sort of when i first um when i first heard it described to me and it was like uh um the the it starts with a death caused by a helmet i was expecting like some sort of like meteorite like you know like a a, a, a helmet the size of a normal helmet-sized helmet, <laughs> like somehow like flying out and like clocking uh, poor Conrad round the head. But no, he he's he's a, a massive, a massive helmet, helmet that a lands on him. A comically large helmet. Yeah, and yeah, when I read that, I was like, have I read this right? I had to go and like look up archaic uses for the word helmet because I was like maybe this means something else I, like why would a helmet just fall out you of the didn't, sky I did the com- I did I, I went I did the shorter route and I just typed in Castle of Otranto helmet on Google Images and found lots of uh, lovely artist renditions of the scene of a, a massive helmet on poor Conrad on oh, poor Conrad he gets a bad he gets a bad time in this story he does get a bad time but he thank god dies. he doesn't have to be alive for a lot of it he just, <laughs> he just lived through all of that shit um, and yes because it's so complex and it's so bizarre and because it is the first of its of its time there are two it was published the first time in what was it 1768 1760 1764 mm-hmm. and then he republished it again i can't remember how how long later mm-hmm. but um he republished it with a separate preface and the preface is interesting because in the original preface he goes on talking about how you know he's this translator william marshall and that you know he found this you know as i was saying before found this mm-hmm. old text it was like withered away and like he was translating this from from you know this thing that he found in italian that he yeah italian and yeah it had this weird and the english language he's it's very funny he's like the english language does not do this justice obviously it was never written in italian (laughs) the english language does not do the intricacies of this such a cop-out yeah it really is like like, if you find this shit it's because it's meant to be in italian exactly (laughs) and that you know the italian language just has the the subtle lilts and flows to convey the gothic style um but Obviously, it was never written in Italian. It's only ever written it's, it in was, English. It was. Is it written in English? So. And then he re- and so he and then it was received well, and he republished it, and kind of completely threw the whole first preface into the whole point of it was kind of lost in a way because he says that no, it was actually me, Horace Walpole, um, the guy in that spooky house down the road, and I wrote it, and I wanted it to be like Shakespeare, and I wanted to convey the subtleties of human emotion, which we will talk about because. I don't know who he's running yeah. into, but <laughs> he's got some very irrational hmm. friends. <laughs> yeah, and uh, some very—I uh, I, can't—I do not believe that every woman that he's met in his life b- behaved like the poor women he wrote about. <laughs> Good lord! But I also agree in the. Um, I also really like the fact that this preface is a is you know almost an extension of 
the gothic narrative of it of, of encoded language and um secrecy and sort of like um duplicitousness like f fake stories surrounding stuff or sort of like the um mythos surrounding the creation of the castle of otranto is gothic uh, in itself hence why i prefer the first preface i, I, prefer the I first like the idea well. of it coming from um even if it's not true it sort of somewhat reminds me of like the uh you know like the way that people create uh found footage you know that sort of intrigue is to <laughs> Blair this could Witch be Project. exactly this could be real like this could be real like horace nobody's buying that this was written in the 1500s and uh yeah. for for like nobody is is actually going to buy that but it's interesting and i think has as much gothic um worth as the story itself i think so yeah i don't like the second preface as much either but i think yeah like it's it's kind of because it's kind of like it's it's trying to make it seem a bit more true even though he kind of does say you know i know that like ghosts aren't real mm -hmm. but like some aspect of this must be real Ooh. yeah um and you know so it, but it doesn't make it it more scary it, yeah like you say it just kind of adds to the kind of mm. the the mythos that we all buy into which is interesting that he does that in the preface because oh thinking about derrida fucking derrida but <laughs> 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 our least favorite our worst enemy yeah. um derrida who wrote about the structure of narrative and like talking about the the preface is this kind of existing in this liminal space between something that you know kind of presents itself as should be allowed to stand on its own but also can't stand on its own because mm -hmm. it's so connected to the thing mm -hmm, and so it's, mm -hmm. it's an inherently gothic thing in itself and so when he kind of changes that and kind of goes like oh no it's all fake and i wrote it and blah, yeah blah, it's, it's the it's the uh scooby-doo moment yeah and i'm sure i'll talk about scooby-doo later because it this whole <laughs> this whole uh novel to me just just reads as a uh, scoo pure scooby-doo running in one door and coming out another. it is but this <laughs> is the this is the, the unveiling moment you know where he where horace walpole takes off the italian mask and uh <laughs> it's actually um an english member of parliament yeah and uh and it's a bit sad yeah it, kind of, it takes away from it a little bit fucking horace um yeah. but yeah so should we talk about the characters let's talk about let's the talk characters about, let's talk about the big not the, not not the big cheese but the main character i guess and also the, the villain smaller manfred cheese. what do you how, what do you think of manfred <laughs> i think manfred is horrendous <laughs> i think i know i understand that he was inspired by henry the who i uh as a historical figure have a soft spot for because i think he was horrendous too <laughs> but in a slightly more interesting way no i don't think manfred isn't interesting i just think he i don't think he's got really any redeeming features about him whatsoever i do think that the part where he's trying to entertain the silent knight is is sweet <laughs> <laughs> and I feel kind of bad I for him. don't feel bad for him in that context because I think he's like like he's he's like he invites uh uh Frederick in. Keep changing how I'm pronouncing his name. He invites Frederick in. Frederick 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 Freddy Freddy baby. <laughs> he invites him in and uh Frederick is like I want this castle. Stop hosting a banquet in my castle. And Manfred's like, 
hey guys, let's <laughs> just You're not hosting eat. me, I'm hosting you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is a host up. He's like, let's just, end, you know, let's be, let's be entertained. Let's have like one good night before we, you and me have to fall out because this is my fucking castle. <laughs> yeah, like I do not feel any sort of uh, sympathy for him. Obviously the, uh, the scene with him and Isabella where Isabella was like, I, because you know, Isabella thinks it's like a fake out. Isabella was like, I'm really sorry that your son's dead. And he's like, I genuinely don't care. And she's like, I am sorry. And he's like, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I would like so you say that. I would like to write an, uh, an essay on on uh, the the kind of how Manfred kind of takes on kind of a lot of female roles, which I think is, okay. is kind of interesting because he's the one, you know, he's the one kind of hosting and he's the one kind of like managing his children's like matrimonial futures I and that's... he's and there's another part where he like gets really where they're having a banquet this is in all the convoluted bit after you know it's it's mm-hmm. you know people are thinking they're going to marry people and whatever towards the end of the book where they have a, a banquet and <laughs> everyone's really angry and upset because mm-hmm. everyone's having to marry all these people they don't want to and you know they're being dispossessed of their heritage or whatever and Manfred just like can't handle it and gets really drunk and like tries to oh yeah he does tries to make everyone like have a good time yeah. <laughs> and it's just like I mean I know he's obviously the cause of, <laughs> of he, all of everyone problems, but, <laughs> but like it's just really sweet to kind of see him kind of take on this emotional this emotional labour in that way when Hippolyta is nowhere to be seen in these scenes. I mean, Hippolyta at this point has just been sort of, like, the... I don't see why Hippolyta's there, to be honest. Like, I Hippolyta, don't either, but like that's, like, the, that's the case for a lot of like, these female characters. Yeah. There's like Victoria, one nameless gal, two nameless gals, who's counting? <laughs> they're all, like you said, basically walking wombs. Like Hippolyta, who is there to just basically be like sad and, and, and pious and like... Uh, be like, she's well, really only there as a uh, t- because she has someone has to be in Manfred's way of immediately just marrying yeah, exactly, Isabella. exactly. She's just there so that he can't do that, and to show like how decent she is as a mother because she's like obviously torn up about Conrad's death, but to show that like Manfred is a is a is a is a horrible man that doesn't <laughs> give a fuck, like, and all he cares about is having like a like a good healthy son, yeah, <laughs> which Hippolyta just. Does it? Can't do. Exactly. Just can't do it. She just can't do it. Um, And so yeah, the the women in this are yeah. I feel like it's interesting how the kind of gender roles are sort of are sort of flipped in that way, where her policy is kind of taking it very hands off. She is the absent father. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Kind of not really just resigned to you know, her life and uh, sort of Manfred's just running around. I mean, he, yeah, he is terrible. I just, I said something very, very funny about... Yeah. <laughs> about him trying try to make <laughs> everyone have a good time after he's ruined their lives. I'm trying to find the specific um, scene where he's... the They're not having... They are not having the fucking banquet whatsoever there's so he's so silent you are right frederick when he comes in is like the knight made no reply but dismounting was conducted by manfred to the great hall of the the castle they do not want to speak to manfred they want their castle manfred is trying so hard they want and he's like they just say to this banquet and they don't speak so he's like oh come to a private room you'll feel more comfortable there since mirth is not your mood let us be sad he says he's such a child he says he says like they do not want to speak i think they keep um 
giving him his ring. Your friends and you shall enjoy the laws of hospitality. Rest here until refreshments are brought. I will, <laughs> I will but give orders for the accommodation of your train. He's such a good hostess. <laughs> <laughs> he put several questions to them, but was answered only by signs. They do not want to speak to him. They raise their visors just to eat. And that was it. They just, they're like these guys in just full suits of armor, like at full, dinner. like at dinner, like with their, like raising their visors just to sort of like put food in their face and then like immediately shuttering it. <laughs> and Manfred's like, you want to have some more wine? Guys. <laughs> How are your travels? Listen, <laughs> we've all been in a, and you know, for the later one, I suppose I can, I, I, I don't, I can sympathize with a situation, like, you know, sometimes you've, everyone's been in a slightly awkward situation where maybe the best, uh, the best reaction to it is not get abysmally drunk, but um, <laughs> may- maybe you do so anyway. <laughs> That's the only way out, and I feel like isn't Manfred... he like isn't he like messed up when he uh when he knifes Isabella? I think he's drunk, isn't he? That's where he's drunk. He's like he's he's like he goes <laughs> Frederick like Frederick Frederick's just seen the um which I will talk about later the the hermit, the, the hermit ghost and he's so like shocked by it he like runs out and and like. Manfred's like, hey, you know, and he like barges past him. And he's like, what is his problem? I'm so mad right now. Arr! And then he finds out that um, obviously Isabella. He, he thinks he thinks it's, he thinks it's Isabella. Isabella and uh, Theodore, but it's actually Matilda, obviously. Um, and then he goes in, in a drunken rage and kills kills, kills his, his daughter. daughter. Yeah, there are a lot of themes with uh, with Manfred. Manfred in terms of like very classical classical demise Mm -hmm. which i think is interesting because you know kind of you know the theme in classes in classical kind of literature is that like you know people aren't born evil or people like aren't evil they just like make a bad decision or like they you know get a bit too big for their boots it's all pun because everything's massive in this book is there a physical Um, description of manfred I don't think i don't think there really is because i've not I'm, i'm sat here and i'm like my I bet your image of him... Actually, no, maybe our images are quite, quite well, similar. Who, if you had to pick someone, who who would you say he most looks like? Because To in play my Manfred? Mind, yeah, in my mind, he's Rufus Sewell. <laughs> I'm not sure who I would cast as Manfred. <laughs> I'm not sure who I would cast as Manfred. How do you, how do you pick, like, descri- describe him? Describe him in your mind. Um, I think he's... Little bit portly, sort of late middle aged. Mm. Um, I think he's got one of those like beards that sort of comes up like here. I don't know why. This oh, well, like the proper mutton chops. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, like the like Western sort of, I don't know why I said here because you know this is audio based. <laughs> but one of those bit, bit, and I have no idea if this is um, period, period, uh, specific, specific uh, if this is true to the period. But I imagine him with those like one of those. Um, Beards that's got like the like the mutton chops that basically turn into a mustache. One of them. I think yeah. And he's bald on top, but he wears like a crown. <laughs> uh, when he takes his crown off, you can you can you can tell that he's bald. That is a far cry from Rufus Sewell. But I see yeah. it's kind of like a kind of just you know kind of slightly slightly dashing. Oh, you think kind he's of almost almost well like kind of like kind of like Dill vibes like kind of like, Dill vibes like just like a like older. But Isabella like still, is clearly, but like still kind of hot, you know, in in a way, you know, still kind of has a, something going for him, you know, you know, maybe he's going a little bit grey and like he's got a few crow's feet. Okay, but like, he's still, you know, sort of 
a, 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 bit a of warrior a leader kind of oh, image. Oh, okay, okay. Which is kind of then, you know, because there's a whole kind of theme in this, which we probably will talk about more about later, of, like, the right to rule. Mm-hmm. And I think that Manfred, in my mind, kind of depicts someone who appears to have that right to rule because... Like, they, visually. They look like the type of person who would be in charge, but right. are actually completely... Um, no, I think, that's, that's a, I think that's a valid point. I can see that. He will remain bald yeah. and I do really portly in my <laughs> in my mind. <laughs> only because I don't think I can change that's, that's <laughs> how that's I've fine. cast him. Um yeah, no, I think yeah, because I think there are like, you know, Walpole himself kind of draws a lot of allusions to like Hamlet specifically, but also, you know, in Hamlet that's a very you know, there's a lot mm-hmm. of close connections to kind of like uh, like who who are the kind of old Greek heroes? I don't know. Like there's there's sort of there's sort of that that vibe, that kind of that kind of heritage that's being drawn on with Manfred in a lot of ways. Mm. And so I think I do think it is interesting that you say that like you think that, that he has no redeemable qualities. Um because obviously a big part of that is the fact that, you know in to- like in, in those like in that classical tradition there is no sort of kind of good or evil i I think think, i think the book bears that judgment on him mm -hmm. as well though and being like he well it's not that he can be the only way yeah the (laughs) only way that he can be redeemed is by living like a pious life like in um yeah in seclusion a long way in in the space of which is quite interesting when you think about like (laughs) when you think about sort of like religion and men in this book a lot of these men have fought in holy wars uh Whereas has like, has 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 Manfred, Manfred fought hasn't in fought in a holy war. That's interesting because f- like obviously Frederick, who is supposed to also be kind of a fought in a holy war, character, f- fought in a holy he got war. Rid- Do you know why he fought in the holy war? Because why? his uh, wife uh, died. Oh birth with yeah, he was so upset that he decided to go and not in, tell anyone. Yeah, if not he's still alive. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> fight in a holy war. I've done that as well too. You know, I've had a fight with my boyfriend and gone and fought in a holy war. <laughs> Crusaded. Who, who hasn't? Yeah. <laughs> who hasn't, listeners? <laughs> who hasn't done a brief stint in Jerusalem just to <laughs> not deal with their emotional yeah. issues? <laughs> so Alfonso also fought in the Holy War and he's meant to be a kind of noble character. I suppose these do do have uh, roots as well in sort of like classical tropes, like that Achillean sort of, you know, like mm. Homeric violence, which you can definitely sort of... Yeah, that kind prescribe of... Prescribe to... Thumos. Yes. And... And in Manfred's case, Eros. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so that's that's our opinions on on Manfred. Let's talk about his his the his antithesis Theodore. Theo. That, that's not a way of saying anything. His antithesis Theodore. <laughs> his polar opposite. Yes. Yeah. Well, his antithesis. No, his, that's his, the yin to his yang. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the chalk to his cheese. <laughs> Theo. What do we think of Theodore? Um. I think that Theo is. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't have like I don't think he's as polarizing nor as really interesting as like Manfred is. He is just sort of like he was more. You know what? He was more interesting to me when he was rude peasant boy. I liked. Him I as liked rude him as, boy. R- as not even rude as like Im- peasant Im- boy pe- who's, impetuous who's Manfred. Peasant boy. Yeah, impetuous as a as, <laughs> as a slightly thoughtless peasant boy that um, Manfred decided to like direct his rage on. Um, I liked him better then. I liked him better yeah. when he was under the helmet. 
I liked it better I liked than the helmet too. <laughs> <laughs> I think when he started becoming like um, basically a walking, talking plot device, he was he was less fun. Yes, because I think in contrast to Manfred's kind of kind of classical roots, he kind of has a very obviously Christian. Mm-hmm. Like he is just good. He is just, just meant good. to be a good person, and he does all the right things, and he's in all the right places at the right time, mm-hmm. and you know he just you know. What can you say about him? <laughs> he's hot. <laughs> he's hot. Do they ever say he's hot? They say he looks like Alfonso. Yeah, and I think Al- I think no, no, no. I think there is like an actual description. Again, sorry, gang. I can't. I haven't got it to hand. But there is an actual description of a. Uh, of, we'll be more prepared for our later episodes. But when we finally get around to doing Twilight, I have so many notes. <laughs> you had it here. First. I have notes. I have page numbers. I have quotes. <laughs> Whipping them out. No, Th- Theodore. I think he is supposed to be uh, supposed to be quite handsome. I think, like Alfonso. Um, well, that well, he's got to be. I mean, it's not his like. It's not. Yeah, his, it's, it's not his stunning personality. Yeah, that's he never says like. No one ever says Alfonso's really handsome, but he must like. He must. He's like. It would be really funny if he's just like portrayed with like. <laughs> he's ugly as sin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <And> like, <laughs> like he just he just has to be good looking, doesn't he? He has. Yeah, he is definitely good looking. And it's it's just a bit kind of. Mm, but yeah. his father, on the other hand, who I didn't I didn't put in in our in our. Uh, note, yeah. note section. But Friar we, Jerome. Should, we should talk about Friar Jerome because if, if Theodore is the the kind of this Christian hero, what does that say about Friar Jerome, who is a friar who has this whole back, this very sordid backstory? We kind yeah. of, you know, even if even if you believe that Theodore was born within wedlock, which is it's never disclosed. Mm-hmm. You know, Father Jerome lost his son for yeah. for uh, like a good like. Almost eighteen years. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how old Theodore was meant to be, but like he just still just like lose him. Yeah, and kind of just goes, you know, just joins the church and sort of doesn't really. <laughs> he has a mental. Well, no, not like a mental. He's so like overcome by another point. Would you remember? He's like, oh my god, Manfred, this is my son. Like this is my son. I can't believe I found him. You wouldn't kill my son, would you? Manfred's like, I might kill your son. <laughs> I might. Still kill yourself. In fact, I will. <laughs> unless, I will. Unless you bring me something to fuck. <laughs> pretty, pretty irredeemable. But anyway, um, Friar Jerome, I think he... Well, he's also like, you know, he is the sort of... As a lot of religious figures tend to operate within uh, gothic literature. Or not... Well, that's a, that's, a, pretty, that's doing, a pretty big generalisation. Yeah, we, we are doing the monk We are doing the monk time, next, so. yeah. <laughs> Fresh in my those beliefs. <laughs> fresh in my mind. Uh, but Fry, uh, he, you know, um, as a Fry Jerome, he does also exist as a as a sort of religious force to Hippolyta, being like, you cannot divorce Manfred. One for the um, religious reasonings, and two, um, because he doesn't want these young maidens to go to these horrible old men. Yeah, he does seem to be made into the sort of moral arbiter, yeah. which is weird when we remember that he'd lost his son. Exactly. <laughs> like, he, he might have had an illegitimate child with a woman who he then... I don't know, because she... Because uh, the- Theodore's backstory is, mm. a bit, is a bit hazy. It so, is. So, so essentially, like, he says, I was raised by my mother... Until I was five, so she obviously has no help from from Fry- Jerome, Friar Jerome, Earl mm-hmm. Jerome, whatever you want to call him. Um, 
and um, that's never explained why, why he never no. bothers to engage. He's he's just he's lost him at this point, um, and we don't know why. So uh, it does imply to an extent that Theodore is illegitimate. Um, the mum then dies when he's five. Theodore is taken by pirates, which yep. is something that not, don't spend enough time on. Um, Horace wrote and- that one without thought pretty quickly yeah, yeah it really did and i really want kind of uh will turner backstory oh my theodore. god theodore is like will turner <laughs> wow will you're turner. so right it's just too perfect yeah he's too perfect and it was raised by pirates <laughs> and um and then and then he just decides to come to otranto and only arrives six day be- d- yeah, days before why is he there he does say he went on a he, he goes looking I think he goes looking for his father mm-hmm. and comes to Otranto. But it's kind of like, okay, so, which is also why I want to hear about his backstory, mm. his, his pirate life. Because yeah. he spends a good long while not looking for his father. Yeah. Pirating? <laughs> um, I presume. Theodore, did you do crimes? Yeah, he must have done crimes. <laughs> he did crimes. It's all very kind of money. And I don't think Horace maybe thought about this when he was writing <laughs> the, the implications of, of Friar Jerome and his son's <laughs> life. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fire Jerome is this is this moral arbiter, and it feels it felt weird to me reading that, thinking all of these things like he must have abandoned his son mm-hmm. and his his pregnant girlfriend, wife, whoever, mm-hmm. and and is now kind of you know maybe that's why he's so against divorce. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he was trying to atone for some past some past regret. But I think Father Jerome is a more interesting character than his. Son. And his son. I agree. His boring son. Yeah. <laughs> his boring, perfect son. Boring, perfect Will Turner son. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's going to look like in my mind now. Will Turner. Yeah. Orlando <laughs> Bloom. I think, I think, I think that's a, I think that's a very good, yeah. That'll work. I think that works very well in my mind as well. So yeah, that's, that's Theodore and, and his father. Now the we've women, got the women. The women. Oh. <laughs> it's just oh. yeah it's interesting because I think that the women are actually probably the most realistically written I agree um I think even if it is incredibly problematic the way that they're treated I think that because obviously Horace Walpole's you know as he says in his second preface that his intention is to write you know believable characters to react realistically which as we've seen in the case in Manfred is not the case yeah um, <laughs> but the women have these moments of real like you can really relate to them like there's there's a quote that I've highlighted oh no I've lost it now wait a minute I've highlighted it so I will be able to she's bloom. more prepared than I I'm I'm not <laughs> I highlighted <laughs> Never one mind. quote and then you showed up and I was like okay that's enough yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh no it's it's in blue it's uh, oh yeah there we go <clears throat> Okay, so this this comes, um, yeah. So this comes just as as they arrive back at the castle, have Friedrich with wounded Friedrich, mm. Friedrich, Friedrich. Um, <sighs> I'm getting you to, to do it now. <laughs> uh, yeah. So and it's it's talking about the women. So Matilda, Hippolyta, uh, and oh oh oh, and the- Theodore's there as well. So he said Matilda blushed at seeing Theodore and Isabella together, but endeavoured to conceal it by embracing the latter and condoling her and condoling with her on her father's mischance, which is like a very realistic thing mm. to have. Like instead of like she's like. <gasps> Oh my god, she's with my crush. Oh, what am I gonna do? And then just goes up to Isabella and is just super, super nice to her. Yeah, and like it's very, very real- realistic as well. They are written with. I would hesitate. I don't want to say more thought. 
but more realistically. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it be intentional yeah, or unintentional. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Um, and there's also that part where they have that weird awkward conversation. They're just kind of like skirting around the subject of who fancies who. Yeah. And then Isabella kind of says, well, I obviously don't like him because he killed my father, but also you can't like him either. Exactly. Yeah, you know, they have these very realistic kind of moments and then they're just kind of just killed um, or moved around. They are. They do have like, like we were speaking about earlier that like when she's like, oh my God, I am really, she just presumes that uh, Manfred's advance on her on 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 Isabella is like him testing whether um, she really did love his son, and, and she's horrified when she slowly begins to realize that he intends to like assault her and uh, impregnate her, essentially. <laughs> and she's uh, pretty pretty shocked about that. Yeah, and they're kind of just sort of moved around, basically for the men's character development just so the men can do either heroic or oh, yeah well like Bianca um, oh fucking Bianca God bless Bianca, <laughs> Bianca uh, letting uh, Frederick know that she's uh, just seen a massive hand and uh, Frederick's like oh my god you brought a massive hand into my castle <laughs> that's the that's we are not the, the, this double wedding is not going through now I know you have a massive hand in your castle and Manfred's like oh my god Bianca you god, idiot like, she's like but the, the thing is like I like love how Bianca is just able to like fuck up as much as possible she's like there's like a few instances where like I think Matilda's pretty rude to her but like all Theodore had to do was like say like like say some like vaguely wrong comments a few times and he nearly loses his head like several times throughout the novel novel I don't know why I said novel twice. The novel novel. novel. <laughs> but Bianca can just, like, chat shit, and uh, that's fine. What the hell happens to Bianca after Matilda dies? I think... I don't think it's ever mentioned. It's, like, the same way that we the last we see of Friedrich is he locks himself in his room, having seen the hermit ghost, and then we just never... Oh, yeah, we never hear about him again. Um... Yeah. <laughs> again, a, a lot of a lot of plot points just not, not picked up. No. Um... And this might be a good point to move on to talking about the ghosts and Ooh. what is the fucking point? What's of your favourite My favourite ghost. ghost? Um you know, I really I can't I can't stress enough how much I love the massive foot. I do like love that. the massive I... foot. <laughs> I also love the random you know, like when the, the, the painting falls down. And then the mm. ghost steps out of the painting <laughs> and walks down the hallway. And like this is the oh, first yeah, ghost. And Manfred just follows yeah him. and then and then it walks through a, a door i think and then like he can't get in the door yeah and then it's never mentioned again yeah the massive foot never comes back and it's kind of just like but like what are all the different the significance of all these different ghosts like sure we've got excuse me the um massive foot the massive hand and it's relevant in terms of the prophecy which we did have written down i think we somewhere. have written it down is the but we're gonna should we save the prophecy to sort of touch on later or should, should we just tell it now Let's save it. Let's yeah, let's we'll save, save it. Well, prophecy. maybe if well, maybe it'll come up again. Who knows? Who knows? We will we will talk about it. We'll definitely talk about it. But I think yeah, it, it's kind of they're not really they don't do anything really. Mm -hmm. One of them gives a prophecy. One of them is a bit is a bit kind of spooky. Mm -hmm. and then, but then mainly it's just it's just massive body parts yep. and sort of like it's, it, it, have you ever seen Crimson Peak? I have not. Okay, it's it's this. It, have you do you know what it is? It's it's I this, do not. It's this film that came out maybe like. I don't know. I want to say like maybe 2014 or 10, 10 years ago. It's, a, it's a, roughly that, mm -hmm. roughly that time frame. Um, 
it's by Guillermo del Toro. Um, so it's very like aesthetically gothic, yeah. and it's about um, a girl who lives in New York, and it's I think it's set in like the eighteen eighties or eighteen nineties. Mm-hmm. Who wants to be a writer, and she meets this very dashing kind of stranger who right. is from uh, this. Uh, uh, house i can't remember what the house is called um who owns this estate and you know he has this creepy sister and uh they fall in love and she goes back to him to this creepy old house and this is this is crimson peak because it's it's a mining thing or something the soil is red because they're mining for something and it's not going well and so there's a lot of there's a lot of financial anxiety okay um but the house is obviously haunted Uh um but there's no real reason for the ghosts. They kind of just they they appear and they're they're scary and it's kind of like scary moments of cinema um, to watch. And then you know you get to kind of the mystery, which is essentially the oh I can't remember. There's incest, which we will also talk about in relevance to this mm-hmm. the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know there's you know he's sleeping with his creepy sister, but he really is in love with her and he wants to marry her and. They're trying, but maybe they're trying to sacrifice her or something. I don't know. Right. But anyway, like, there's all of these ghosts that go on, and like the story itself, you know, with this conspiracy of like she's been brought here for this kind of, you know, purpose, which is essentially to, to, be sacrificed or something that will help their mining endeavors, and you know, the sister and the brother are sleeping together, and the, it's all alone in this like creepy old house in the middle of nowhere, and it's really difficult to get to. And like that is scary enough without the addition of all these random ghosts, which appear and then just never. Like, they're never explained. We don't know why they're there. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just seem to really be there as kind of, like, a kind of sort of harbinger of doom. Right. Um, which I guess you could say that, that is the function of the ghosts in the castle of Montranto, but they're just not scary. Like, a massive foot and a massive hand... No. ...isn't scary. No. Like, so it's, it's kind of, you know, I don't know why. It's difficult to to know why they're there and the way that people re- interact with the ghosts as well is is also kind of strange. people obviously find the foot scary you know they're saying that all the servants will leave because they've seen this massive foot um but you know manfred just like sees this ghost and then follows it and is kind of like well that was that and yep. it's never brought up again nope. <laughs> never mentioned and again it's kind of just normal sized human ghost which is probably scarier than a big foot <laughs> yeah so <laughs> I think a bit Bigfoot would be quite fun. I think a Bigfoot would be good. <laughs> that was a good Bigfoot. time. I would investigate it. That's a good time ghost. That's a good time ghost. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're that scary. And so, yeah, you kind of wonder what what is what is really why 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 because you know Manfred being this incredible tyrant who is trying to you know divorce his wife mm-hmm. and marry this young girl and kind of breed with her and you know yeah. rent this prophecy is kind of horrific enough mm-hmm. <laughs> it's some spooky ghosts but there's like a sex there's a part where blood drips off um the statue of Al- oh, yeah. alfonso's nose that's when um Very that's spooky. when um that's when they go to kill theodore isn't mm-hmm. it and they're they're in they're by the statue and it starts like crying blood yeah <laughs> very very that spooky. would be scary that, would, that be scary. would be scary that would scare me but the way they kind of deal with it is Father Drome is just sort of like, look, this is a sign, and then Manfred's like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's kind of, no one's th- sat there like the statue is Manfred crying Manfred never is like, like, I suppose when Horace was like, some of my characters react like, realistically. Hello, 
we said, we just made a point of saying that the uh, hand and the foot isn't scary, but I probably would be slightly, sh I would not just have a sort of impassive reaction to it like Manfred kind of does, but also Manfred is mostly just interested in like, you know, sorting his family out, sorting all these affairs out, keeping a tranto, but his servants are just absolutely beside themselves several times. They're like, I'm quitting. I'm quitting. I can't stand the sight of these massive limbs <laughs> these massive appendages yeah these, these, i can't do this like what's next what's next which i think is fair i think it's fair as I well i don't think that's that's unreasonable mm -hmm. i think that manfred kind of ignoring the ghost is kind of almost as weird as people being scared of a giant foot yep uh, <laughs> i agree I, um yeah and why is everything massive that's 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 the second why point is everything massive? to bring up because again that's not... It's not scary because it's, it's not just, like, a helmet fell and killed him or, like, you know, they saw a, a ghostly shoe or something. It's like, these things are massive! Yeah. <laughs> like, Obviously, it's linked to the old... Um, the, the old, old prophecy. The old which prophecy. we probably should, should we'll talk just, about that We'll now. just do the prophecy. Are you going to do the prophecy? I'll do the prophecy. Okay. It's that the castle and lordship of Otranto should pass from the present family whenever the real owner should be grown too large to inhabit it i like that mm -hmm. prophecy i think it's <laughs> I, think... I think it's nonsensical <laughs> but straight to the point and that's amazing but i think it is i think it is it creates this this perfect like, like this perfect climate for comedy because obviously yeah. you're meant to kind of question like oh you think manfred is the rightful heir and he's obviously kind of got this massive ego that kind yeah, of drives yeah, him yeah. to do all this stuff so in that way he has kind of grown too large to inhabit it mm -hmm. but then obviously the real heir is obviously meant to be alfonso mm -hmm. and he, his ghost is is really massive yeah and so the ghost of Alphonse has grow, grown too large to inhabit it, and so it, it, the line is obviously has to pass. But it's just like taking literally the idea of something growing too large by yeah. literally just making these into sort of like Big. it's kind of the equivalent of clown shoes. Like it's yeah, just, it just comically sized things. <laughs> it is. <laughs> the, uh, I've not thought about it like that. It's, but, but also, the real owner, I, he's grown too large to sort of inhabit it, but. His bloodline does return to Otranto with Theodore. So Theodore is oh yeah 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 yeah. So what does it mean? What does it mean? So what does it mean? <laughs> Maybe uh, yeah because he obviously would also be cast as as the real owner. So mm. uh, yeah, it's all Horace. <laughs> Horace, why? <laughs> I have no idea what. But he... everything is massive, and it's 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 comical and so you know and things that shouldn't be massive are like the helmet yeah. like i think we've said previous that everyone keeps mentioning that the helmet is massive how did the helmet get this big how did the Who helmet knows? Get this big how did the helmet end up on top of conrad yeah. how did the massive shoe like where are these things coming but from? moving swiftly on and that's <laughs> how the, uh, just, don't think about yeah. it too much it's just there i really like the everyone idea. poses the question yeah so like the question's always you well not always questions usually posed wow this helmet's so big how did it get here and then never answered and they never try and, even and then they never out. spare another thought for and it. there's no what i guess it's interesting about it is there's no Law. There's no like kind of ghost law behind it to explain why you know. There's never that moment um, where they're kind of going through. This is how ghosts work yeah. in this universe. This is why they're appearing in this way. Mm -hmm. You know, th this is 
what they want or anything like that. You know, I am currently re-watching the entire series, series is of the vampire diaries Mm -hmm. and let me tell you there is a whole lot of lore in that that yeah that'll be a fun episode we will do the vampire diaries series when i don't i don't can we read how many books are there there's too many we can't do the books we have to do the series maybe we'll just do one book no well we'll do the series first (laughs) also just to let you know that um this book is less than a hundred pages long um by about 15, 10 pages in, you've completely forgotten that Conrad got flattened by a giant helmet. <laughs> you've completely forgotten that this has happened. Poor Conrad! Completely forgotten. And, and it seems all the characters have as well. We almost left him off our family tree. We did. He's just so irrelevant. He's very irrelevant. To the story, which is just... just the he doesn't even thing. get to ever speak for himself, though. A lot of characters do. Does. But it's just like, wow, he was weak and shit, wasn't he? Imagine marrying him. <laughs> yeah. And Isabella's like, oh my god. It's just, yeah. I would, yeah, maybe there should have been a Conrad ghost. Maybe that would have been. That would have that been, been good. That would have been way better. I mean, that's Horace. <laughs> massive foot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Instead, yeah, it's, we just don't hear from him again. And there's just, yeah, there's just so many of these. In terms of like the aesthetics of Gothic, it's obviously. I mean, well, I guess I guess one thing that I always think is like I don't associate gothic aesthetic with medieval no. things, or at least yeah. I didn't until I kind of like read this book. I think I I definitely did. I had the old you know castles and sort of high hybridity and stuff. I think for me. I don't really, and I know you. Yeah, it's a big part of it with sort of like the swooning maiden or the blushing maiden, um, and I do associate the gothic with sort of bad things happening to women, mm. which uh, bad things definitely do happen to women in the castle of Otranto. Yeah. Um, but I, I think like suits of armor. And there was because no one gets seems to want to get out of their suit of armor. They <laughs> just love their suit of armor. <laughs> I did. Jamie did tell me the other day that it was becoming a, a, a problematic for his mental health that he hadn't yet worn a suit of armor. It's because I'm reading things like this, and I'm like, damn, these people are having so much fun in their suits of armor. God, like I was reading about Frederick Frederick being morose at dinner in a suit of armor, and I think if I was I was at a banquet. And I was wearing a suit of armor. I would act the however the hell I wanted. Like, it's, yeah, it's very dramatic. You don't need a personality if you've got a suit of armor <laughs> on. And Theodore and Frederick prove that. Is that why all men in history were assholes? Yeah. Like, I've got my suit of armor. I don't care. But yeah, I think in terms of like, it's very aesthetically dramatic. It's, and I guess it is, that's what's, definitely. That's what's interesting because I think you know before I kind of read, kind of you know, kind of the original gothic books. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, because the ones I was kind of familiar with were sort of like Dracula and then kind of like, um, you know, the the Bronte sisters mm-hmm. and, you know, then kind of more modern gothic books, you know, and sort of the, the concept of like, you know, Victorian, like Victoriana kind of aesthetic as yeah. being inherently gothic. Yeah. And so I was interested, I mean, obviously, you know, this was well before the Victorian times, but I was interested that it was it was it was medieval, and that that is like such a. But it is it's a very dramatic look, and I think it does lend itself to to kind of I think that sort of othering Heights. of 
of the narrative and of the characters, you can kind of separate yourself from them because of the, the suppose, of distance and time. Yeah. Wuthering Heights, what were you saying? I just think Wuthering Heights should have had more... Uh, <laughs> massiveness and physical <laughs> armor. I think any Victorian um, gothic novel could have been improved by uh, like a, a, a spooky happenings that border on comedy, if not in, are comedic. And um, I mean, we will do Dracula soon, and there are a lot. You haven't read Dracula, have you? I have not. I've uh, watched Nosferatu <laughs> many times, there but are, never read Dracula. There is. There are there are a lot of ridiculous happening. There is one point where Dracula crawls down the side of a castle like a lizard. Yes, <laughs> yes, it's, it's so good. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess, I guess that would kind of, in terms of the theory, in terms of a uh, literary theory, that does put it squarely within kind of Anne Radcliffe's definition of uh, male horror as opposed to like female mm. terror, um, because it is kind of slightly not grotesque well mm-hmm. I mean it is slightly grotesque but like garish garish <laughs> like definitely. kind of garish and kind of yeah it definitely has that kind of aestheticism to it I described it in a similar way but uh without without such high bribe language as a scooby dooish because <laughs> uh, like we've mentioned there is a lot of chasing around the castle random spooky ghosts you know just for the sort of sake of sake of having a ooh, a fright and for Manfred to go what the hell is going on wait Isabella <laughs> what, the hell? What, are you, what are you talking about there's a giant foot I need to find Isabella everyone stop telling me all these like creepy things that are happening and let me let me find Isabella yeah and we will talk more about and there's like so much drama like you know the, the, so things much... go from things go from um 100 to 1 the uh, drama of the characters and also the mm-hmm. drama of like the narrative which isn't purely driven by the characters yeah there are natural interventions we will talk more about that in a minute because it's something i'm really interested in but before we do i have put under our aesthetic band incest Incest. (laughs) as a gothic convention which does happen it's, it's 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 just a part of it because it's well, it's just it's, it's this a one's all idea. this one is all Charlie's point as it's well. Just, it's, <laughs> well, no, because I think I think it's interesting because I was kind of you know thinking about it, mm. and you know when I was reading anything, any of the literature that we were reading about it or like discussing it, like people were constantly referring to like the incest, mm-hmm. the incest. Everyone is talking about the incest. I'm like, kind of what incest? <laughs> you know, <laughs> where kind of, is the incest? Where is the incest? And we were kind of like t- looking at the family tree. There's obviously a lot of very convoluted intermingling, right? But also the way that you know it, Isabella specifically is kind of me- meant to be marrying Conrad, mm. and so in that way, you know, obviously they didn't get married, but they kind of have this sort of understanding that that is that is their relationship yeah and has been also isabella has been living in this in this in this uh family unit for a while and she and matilda like sisters yeah, yeah they say over and over again that yeah. they're like sisters they and do, oh yeah. we're like family and blah 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 and then manfred you know as i'm about to the father so figure, heinous yeah as the father figure in in that dynamic whether it's by blood or not you know she's her father's presumed dead at this point you mm-hmm. know they think he died in the holy lands and so she's kind of he's kind of all she has yeah and um just <laughs> wants to wants to 
have sex with her. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's violently all wed violently her. Violently wed her. Um, yeah, and it's it's sort of it's like is it's this it is it is a convention in in gothic literature. Yeah, I think it's interesting here because it's so. It's not immediately noticed. Like, it's not yeah. immediately kind of understood, like, how problematic it is. Mm-hmm. Um, Manfred is like, I'm literally trying to assault her. Like, this is already pretty problematic. And then it's like, huh. And he is kind of like your daughter figure as well. Yeah. So, how, like, how far how far do you think that you know, when Manfred says, I only want to marry you because uh, I need an heir? How, how true do you think that is? Or do you think that that is to some extent him just being like I just want to have I sex just, with like, this young beautiful lady I think it is solely to do because it, you were thinking about it if it were if he were motivated by that surely he would have sort of like come on to her earlier when whilst Conrad was alive because the the thing that kicks this off is the fact that Conrad is dead and he's like mm. fuck shit Ugh. <laughs> I need an heir. I need an heir so badly. I need an heir. And he has like you know he he, he has like a, a a mental breakdown about the fact that he needs an heir like now, now. Does it have to be with Isabella? I think she's the most readily available uh, and girl that he can access, and it makes sense Maybe. for him to. But when she when she runs away, I mean, she causes a lot of problems for him by by running away by continually kind of making it a problem like he could he have just gotten some poor peasant yeah, but nameless woman from the village and... he could probably but like she doesn't have a name like you know she wouldn't she wouldn't be part of any sort of mm. i think he could probably have done that but i don't think it would make much sense it seems like there's an that. extent to which it kind of feels like it has to be isabella i think it does have to be isabella He's, yeah but I, yeah I, but what yeah no I think it does for Manfred, but I don't see why for anyone else it has to be. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if she ran away and he couldn't, you know, she runs away, like, a lot and, you yeah, know, she's no, difficult you to find. Right. And it's kind of like, couldn't you have just, you know, written to one of your rich count friends and yeah. you got a daughter, I'm buying. Yeah. Like... <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I suppose at that point... No, I think you are right. Incest. Incest. Yeah, and it kind of seems like it's not just incest for... for, for, um, for Incest needs well, no, no, oh. <laughs> for for the need of like an heir. It seems like it has to be Isabella because he he does find specifically her, her to be attractive. attractive. Yeah, yeah, I agree. She does. She he, he does. He does. He does say a shitload. Like my son sucked, uh, but me, uh, I'm pretty. Yeah, I'm he pretty says great. like, oh, he wasn't worthy of your. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. He does, of... doesn't he? He does. <laughs> yeah, incest. <It's> fucking freaky. <laughs> Um, yeah, so with that, all with all that in mind, with all that gothic asceticism in mind, is it is it scary? <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't say I was particularly <laughs> particularly scared, but I was entertained. Again, it was uh, as our one of the one of the, the reviewers from the beginning said, soapboxy. Like it definitely is. Like a bit of a drama with some like, with you know, I I I, well, I I almost said gothic stylings, but obviously because it's foundational to the genre, you mm. know, like, um, it kind of generated makes, those yeah, stylings. Those stylings. <laughs> um, 
So do I find it scary? No. I think the idea of being chased around um, a castle by... If you with the incestuous element, especially being chased around a castle with a man by a man who you believe to be your father, who now wants to wed you and and have sex with you until you produce a male heir, <laughs> is terrifying. All the ghosts are kind of like I don't know, like Hocus Pocus Hall, like haunted house, kind of like whoa, they like, pop out <laughs> at you and um, give you a sort of a uh, a spooky scare. But I don't think it's scary. Do you think no, it's scary? I don't know. I think the the concept behind behind the narrative is is frightening. You know, just with the you know the concept of like a kind of tyrannical despot, yeah. <laughs> uh, who who it will yeah chase you down and try to force you into marriage with him, so that he can produce an heir, so that he can stop this this prophecy from happening. Is 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 it's frightening. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's a frightening read. No, though. I agree. It's not a frightening read. No, um, but the hermit is. We've got well, a little. He's, he's probably the scariest ghost when he kind of, and also we the do, most kind is. of, also the most kind of Scooby Doo like. He ghost. is very Scooby. We've got a point here that says Jamie's hermit bit because I love the hermit. I bit want you so to tell much. me what you think about the hermit. So the hermit <laughs> bit. So the hermit bit. Obviously, the hermit. Um, the 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 I think the the biggest scare you know if this were a movie which I'm sure it is but if this were like a you know remade as a soulless copy in a 2022 <laughs> um, this would be the uh, the the trailer scare this would be the the scare with the most money in it but it follows um, after actually it follows the one of the one of the big limb scares uh, where Bianca says to um, Manfred, oh my god, like, uh, that we've just seen the hand, and then Frederick overhears, um, and then Manfred's like, stop, 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 like, Frederick's gonna hear, he is here, <laughs> and he can hear. <laughs> and then Frederick is like, oh, like, um, you keep your daughter, and think no more of Isabella, because he thinks that heaven itself has declared, uh, has, has, has declared Manfred no longer fit for the Principality of Otranto. But he doesn't think that for very long. Basically, in the next like couple of sentences, he's like, well, I don't really think that because um, Matilda's kind of fine. <laughs> he just wants to so, Matilda. yeah, Matilda's kind of great. So maybe I'll let him think that um, until we've had our banquet. Another banquet uh, follows where he's like, he, he decides to retire to bed. He tells everyone he's going to go to bed because he's, you know, lost a lot of blood at this point. There's, the, the passage of time is kind of kind of wishy-washy like who knows how long it's been since he was literally nearly butchered um, <laughs> but now you know he's drinking he's a Frederick um, he's suddenly miraculously yeah. better and it's like the next day on, pre- <laughs> on pretense of his late loss of blood he uh, he he decides to go to bed um, but he's like I'm gonna go to um, Hippolyta's apartment and ask her whether she really intends to divorce Manfred because if she does that's great and that means that I'm not getting played and uh, I really get to marry Matilda so he goes up there um, and he pushes open the door and there's a figure stood at the the mirror and he's like um, he thinks it's a religious figure so he's like reverend father I, I saw I saw Hippolyta and then the figure's like Hippolyta 
Camus thou to the, this castle to seek Hippolyta? And then the figure, turning slowly round, discovered to Frederick the fleshless jaws and empty sockets of a skeleton wrapped in a hermit's cowl. And obviously, you know, Frederick Frederick freaks out, but it's I think it's the best the best scare there. A skeleton. <laughs> a spooky uh, a skeleton. skeleton. Yeah, it's a skeleton, but he knows it's the hermit. He who, knows like, it's gave the hermit. This massive sword. Exactly. Completely, <laughs> you know, fleshless. Um, but he's wearing the hermit's cowl and the um skeleton and uh, says to him um but say blessed spirit what is thy errand to me what remains to be done and the skeleton's like to forget matilda <laughs> so you know the 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 hermit said to get him right get him right in the head he's like Keep what are you your doing dick in your you pants. need to fucking stay here and get this castle and not have sex and with not matilda. shag matilda i think it's interesting now that now that actually you've brought that up because i'm trying to think like it feels like a ghost appears almost maybe perhaps with the exception of the of the of the bleeding eye statue bit when some man is trying to have sex yeah. with a woman he shouldn't be having sex it's with it's true oh my god it's true this is seven pages from the end of the book, by the way. I've just worked it out. Seven pages seven from the end of the book. Seven pages from... Which version is this? This is the Oxford, Oxford World's World Classics. Classics. If you would like to indulge. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we haven't completely put you off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, maybe maybe that's the point of the ghost. Maybe it's, maybe it's, maybe it's all to do with sex. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that as a concept. I love that as well. Maybe I'll write an essay on that. I <laughs> am obsessed. I am obsessed with the concept that the ghosts are only there cock as blocking. cock blocking. Yeah. Cock blocking ghosts. Cock blocking the men from <laughs> stopping If them you see that on JSTOR, you know who it's by. Yeah, and the difference between, I guess, Manfred and Friedrich is that Friedrich listens to the ghosts. Uh-huh. He, he goes and locks himself in his room and we never hear from him again. Yeah. And obviously Matilda dies. Oh, no, we, we unable do. to... We hear from him again right at the end, um, in which uh, he offers Isabella to Theodore. But Theodore's like, no, I'm too upset right now to marry. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a day. My heart will heal like your death wound that I gave you. Oh, no, they both are so upset that they basically enter like a marriage of... Well, they're both so upset they enter a marriage of um, misery... Uh, but not miserable with each other. They're just miserable in general because Matilda was everything to them and Theodore, you know, and then they own Otranto in miser- misery. Everyone's yeah. upset. It's kind nobody of weird. Wins. <laughs> <laughs> nobody wins. It's a very nobody wins. And yet they kind of, I don't know. Well, I mean, I guess as Isabella did have hearts for her. Yeah, but Isabella didn't want her best friend to die. Isabella's oh, like, yes. Isabella's kind of... Okay, kind of... I, I did forget that she may have felt that. Because <laughs> <laughs> she, she never like... speaks of it. We never hear her reaction. no. Theodore's grief was too fresh to admit the thought of another. And then they have discourses with Isab- uh, of his dear Matilda that he was persuaded he could know no happiness but in the society of one with whom he could forever indulge the melancholy that had taken possession of that, his soul. That is, and that is the end of the that novel. That's dark. what it ends on. That's really dark for mm-hmm. what, is, what is comparatively... They're like trauma bonded. Book. Yeah, they're like trauma bonded by the end of it. Yeah, and but, they just um, decide to wallow in that for a time. It's like, it's like almost like, you know, the... The saddest clown the, honk the in the world. The romantic poets kind of just be like, oh, yeah. I'll never get over this. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, it's a sort of a sad ending for something that's, that's so quite funny, funny and yeah. quite quite silly and ridiculous. Um, there are a lot of funny aspects to this book. We've obviously Goofy talked about the massive things. 
the mistaken identities though it's interesting because obviously you know as we've mentioned horace does does compare it in his second preface mm-hmm. to his, his attempt at, at writing hamlet which mm-hmm. is obviously a tragedy um and kind of you know following in the footsteps of Shakespeare. Um, and there are a lot of Shakespearean qualities. None of them are really that horrific, though. The mistaken identities and kind of confused identities and the interchangeability of certain people has a, has an element of comedy to it. Like, yeah. like um, in, in terms of like aesthetics, like how when uh, Manfred comes into to Frederick's stab bed yeah and and sees, sees uh uh what's his name theodore all in 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 alfonso's old old uniform and kind of thinks that it is the ghost of alfonso and you know it's kind yeah. of, and everyone's like no it's theodore. This is theodore. But also that's a very, comes at a very convenient point because he's seen theodore's face before yeah and so it's kind of, it's kind of like like you should Okay, Theodore. Fine. You know what? Maybe we've been kind of too mean to Theodore because th- I'm flicking through the book right now, and Theodore's been through a lot. Theodore does go through a lot. But he, he has been through a lot. Yeah, and he's he gets accused end. of being a magician, <laughs> and like <laughs> he nearly love, gets. <laughs> I would love to be accused of being yeah. a magician. <laughs> he gets accused of being a magician, um, having stole the helmet from Alfonso's tomb, and then like. Hit Conrad with it for what reason? Nobody ever tries to establish a motive why Theodore would want to, to do that. Be a magician. To be, <laughs> to be magic. Yeah. <laughs> He's a secret magician. She's got yeah. stacks of playing cards in his back room. He's like, Woo-hoo. throw them out. Like, <laughs> I got compared to. Um, I was wearing my uh, pajama set, not pajama set. That one up there mm. for the listeners. It's it's a it's a black pajama set that's not a pajama set and it's got like feathers on it. It's, it's very bougie. It's very, it's, it is very bougie. And I wore it out to my work Christmas party last night and uh, my boss compared me to a goth Santa, which I loved. And I, I... also love that. <laughs> and I can see it. <laughs> he knows it when was... you're asleep. She knows when you're... I don't remember. I can't remember the Christmas rhyme. He knows he when you're sleeping. He sees you when you're sleeping. sleeping. He knows when you're awake. That's quite Gothic gothic. Santa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Santa's really metal. We never realised. Yeah. Anyway, what were you saying before I said that? Oh, yeah, he's accused of being a magician. Yeah, he does he go is. through a lot. He does go through a lot. But there's a lot of, like... The dialogue is quite funny in It's this all as well. kind of... The dialogue is really funny. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, the women are interchangeable also. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, he kind mm-hmm. of stabs, stabs his daughter thinking she's Isabella. Yeah. Um, and they're sort of, they are just kind of interchangeable. And then, you know, Isabella ends up marrying Theodore when Matilda was going to sort of end up with him. And it's kind of like... Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the end of a uh, uh, um, what's it? Oh, what's it called? Midsummer Night's Dream, when they kind of are just like, ah, yeah, <laughs> just sort of they they all end up with someone and it's fine, even if even if Theodore does is sad. Um, I'm at the speaking of uh, comedy. I've just found the bit uh, where he Diego and uh, Jack. Jacques, Jacques, um tells Manfred about it, and they're like, they're like, have you seen a ghost? He's like, I wish I'd seen a ghost. Like, oh my god, I wish I'd seen a ghost. But they're like, it's the worst thing ever. It's the scariest thing ever. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's the scariest thing I've ever ever seen. And Manfred's like, what is it? And they're like, it's absolutely terrible. It's the scariest thing I've ever seen. And Manfred's like, what is it? And they're like, not telling him because they're just like so worked up about. And then it's like, it's a massive, massive foot. foot. <laughs> and Manfred's like, what? what? 
foot. <laughs> As are we, the audience. Like, yeah. what? <laughs> really? Satan himself, I believe, is in the great chamber next to the gallery. Yeah, though. Manfred's like, Manfred's like, Satan oh. himself is a massive foot. <laughs> yeah, like, holy shit, what are you talking about? Like, like, it, honestly, like, you, I mean, no, no, said Diego, and his hair stood on end. It is a giant, I believe. He's all clad in armor, for I saw his foot and part of his leg. <laughs> <laughs> and Manfred's just like, I do not have time for this. I do not have time for this. It's just, about, it's just this weird moment of levity. It's this very tense moment, because this comes right as they're, like, chasing Isabel down the passage. And yeah. she's just escaped. And then they, like, burst in, like, just as she's basically, like, gone through the door. And it's all it's all very theatrical. And then they're like, no, we've seen a ghost. And then it's like, oh, my God. It, it like, it's it's never, it's never ending. Yeah. Like, the horror, the horror. And ah! then it's, like, a massive foot. And you're yeah. like, okay. Well, <laughs> we can relax now. <laughs> Satan, I guess, is, uh, is just his foot. It's the least scary part of him, probably. <laughs> Do you think? Do you think he'd wear... He has hooves, so... Yeah. I would like to tell um, the Satanic Church that they're, 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 they shouldn't be worshipping a ghost. Yeah. <laughs> worshipping... Worshipping a You've got foot. it wrong, gang. <laughs> Turns out... <laughs> he's fooled you all along. Uh, sorry, I'm on the ending again, because I do think the ending does have comedic value. It ends so quickly. It's just like... T- try like It's just like Horace, like... I don't know. The the whole book is so, but it ends so quickly. It just seems to get he's bored. He's like, and they get married in this fine. Yeah, he's like, and they get the the disconsolate uh, company retired to the remaining part of the castle. Uh, Manfred uh, abdicates the principality, and um, they both take on the habit of religion. Fred, uh, Frederick gives uh, Isabella to um, Theodore. What happens to Bianca? We don't know. What happens to the servants? I think they run away because. Uh, because of the scary foot, what yeah. happens? Is the anyone... castle is in ruins at the end. The castle is in so ruins like, because what, of big... what do they actually own? What did they? Yeah, what did they? So what did they get <laughs> out of this? Someone's clear up this fucking helmet. It's been here for so long. Yeah, the helmet is just randomly there at the end, and it's very no. We don't know how it gets. I mean, we don't know how it gets in the first place. Yeah, but we don't know how it gets there at the end, and it's just like you know. So what do they this, do? This b- dead body, and it's just like the the, the feathers just rustling. And yeah, it's like. <laughs> it's just like a massive helmet. And the big sword is just, I don't know, I think it's buried at this point or like just on the lawn. <laughs> just, <laughs> got it mixed up with one of the other giants. Yeah. Yeah, so it is... <laughs> I think it's... I think I had a... Yeah, I think I've had a f- funnier experience reading it. I think I've definitely had a funnier a experience. One. I found it more effective as a as a, as a comedy with yeah. spooky elements than... um. Uh, a genuine a, something that genuinely frightened me yeah and I do think that that's that In- I think it, I think that personally well I okay I'm not saying as a blanket statement but yeah. for me I prefer funny gratuitous kind of gothic sorry Anne Radcliffe than kind of like the sort of very thoughtful philosophical Frankenstein yeah and mysteries of the Udolphos and I like the- Frankenstein I'm looking forward... I did enjoy this, um, like, a lot. Like, I think it's very different, obviously, from, from Frankenstein. I'm enjo- going to enjoy The Monk, I think, which I think already has a bit of humour in it's just, so like, the first, the first bit. Like, <laughs> We will be doing that. That will be our next episode. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and I can't wait to talk about that because I'm halfway through and it's it's wild. Fucking Again. wild. <laughs> it's so insane. If we had if we thought we had a problem explaining this plot. Oh, oh god. my god. <laughs> um but that's the next bit. Before yeah, the last point that I wanted to talk about is the is the representations of time prophecy and fate mm-hmm. in the novel and i thought this was the most uh interesting gothic and also ridiculous thing yeah. about reading this book yeah um is that kind of like there's obviously this prophecy that it's gonna you know leave manfred's family blind um that he's really scared of and it, it, it's but it's not just like you know the ghosts seem to have nothing to do with it other than being some kind of a harbinger yeah but nature really plays a role in it like there's the bit where kind of Isabella kind of run is you know she's escaping from Manfred through through the passageways mm-hmm. and she's kind of she's kind of she happens upon Theodore which is again another coincidence there are so many coincidences like they just you know everything time space you know the space of the castle seems to be kind of working to kind of bring manfred down i think theodore Um, that you mentioning that theodore himself exists as a sort of prophecy and a fate obviously he's the he's the uh he's the almost return of alfonso but he is really surrounded by sort of like ghostly imagery like like i said earlier with him sort of like being in the bottom of the um what is it just like the basement or like the, <laughs> yeah, the they, call it, they keep calling it the subterraneous yeah, passage subterraneous <laughs> passageways and they and keep saying slow- over and over yeah. again they don't just say the passage yeah they always refer to them as the subterraneous, subterraneous passageways <laughs> but him there is there is a real sort of like um ghostliness that exists around uh theodore in him opening the door and sort of like being in the shadows in the fact that he is like um he appears to Manfred, especially in the armor, as like, you know, Alfonso back from the dead. Yeah. So the kind of manifestation of his doom. Of his yeah, yeah the manifestation, the physical manifest- manifestation of his like fate of the prophecy here in 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 the flesh. You know, to drive him out of his home. Yeah, and Theodore is one of those ones who yeah keeps having all these coincidences. Like he just shows up yeah. at the right time. Like he's you know he goes finds his dad. He escapes into the woods and he happens upon. Isabella, and then you know, kind of is the one to fight the knight who also happens upon them, and then you know, just is always, always has these kind of convenient kind of paths crossing, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, like it went that yeah, which I think Isabella's, is pretty gothic as well. It's that, very gothic, yeah. yeah. I think that's one of the things that I really like is that there's this kind of, you know, everything is. <laughs> interconnected well, yeah almost interconnected, incestuously so working against manfred and yeah there's this the, the bit where you know isabella's in the passage she, she finds theodore he agrees to help her and then she's like oh like i know there's a lock here to this trap door or whatever mm. i can't find it and then as, as she says it this ray of moonlight you know mm-hmm. something moves beyond the clouds and kind of lights up the lock like falls directly onto the lock that she needs to find and yeah. it's kind of like everything you know everything is kind of working nature time all of it, it to it's aid a, her yeah yeah. In, yeah in this in, in for this prophecy to be realized yeah and it's not it's not it's very active it's not just like passively happening yeah like it's almost and manfred like is fighting that. against that yeah <laughs> as hard as he can as hard as he fucking can yeah it's it's and yeah the concept of the repetition of time as well mm-hmm. you know the idea that the sins of the father will be revisited upon mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the son is is I was about to say. I was about to say is 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 a very 
kind of big thing. There are moments where it's kind of not. Yeah, I mean, Father I've got Jerome for one. Like, exactly. Yeah, he, Theodore gets away with a like. He, he, Father Jerome gets away with a lot, and I was thinking actually when you were talking he earlier, does. Father Jerome. I feel like because there's another parallel to be drawn between two characters, and that's Father Jerome and Manfred. Because Father Jerome is this kind of monk that has kind of fallen from grace from yeah. his earldom, yeah, and had to give that up for you know the sin that you know we're never told about, but we assume must have happened to some capacity. Yeah, we aren't and, told about it. You have to just and speculate. Then, yeah, and then Manfred ends up kind of in the same position where he sort of, you know, has to go into this life of of pure Christianity. He does. And <laughs> whatever his transgression was. Yeah, exactly. So there's this kind of parallel of like these these holy people who have who have re who have sinned in the past. And everyone that- who's left alive at the end is uh either taking the habit, miserable or Frederick. <laughs> <laughs> we hear nothing about how he feels. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it, it's a very... What about the sins of the father on, on, on the daughter? Has Frederick sinned? Well, I guess I guess in that way, that's kind of the incest part because... Oh, okay. Really that's, a, that's a good <laughs> reading. battered by their fathers and yeah. kind of passed around and sort of... There's no, like, they don't need prophecy. Like, the father is literally... Uh, yeah, violent. exactly. Yeah, it's <laughs> nature's not doing anything there. It's all the it's dads. All the dad. <laughs> that is, it is all the dads. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a, it's a book rich with uh, with gothic convention, which it invented and then subsequently subverts the convention that it established. It does. <laughs> it really does. <laughs> within within the one hundred pages. <laughs> it uh, really does. So it, I guess the book in itself. Is a is a you know what, what, what is the uh, father you know of the gothic genre? And, uh, it sins, I suppose, a work <laughs> by all the books to follow, <laughs> which we will be reading. You know what I was when I was thinking when we originally agreed to do this podcast, which mm. is by the way About so long ago. We the... agreed to do this podcast in July, and it's taken us this long uh-huh. it's now February and we've only it was days. about 70% my fault and 30% Charlie's as well <laughs> Charlie <laughs> did also have her fair share of uh, postponing it we did mostly we me did. though it was mostly you we're mostly finally me. here we're finally doing it but we were originally going to do you know the reason that I wanted to do this podcast was just so I could talk about Twilight, Twilight. we still are going um, to and do we Twilight we will talk about Twilight I'm very excited to do I am talk about also Twilight. I rewatched. I think we should do the books and the movies because we're I, doing re- it. We're doing it also. I rewatched Breaking Dawn yesterday and it was just <laughs> fucking crazy <laughs> oh, it's so bonkers we won't we'll talk well, we will do a fog, we mm. will do we will do an episode or maybe two episodes on it because there's just so much I have to say mm-hmm. but um uh you know, we were originally going to do that as the big opener, and then uh, Jamie didn't read the books in time. We'll nope. know, so, so we didn't do that. I one. Didn't. Then we were going to do Frankenstein, and we didn't do that one. And then I was kind of like, oh, no, well, we have to read the Castle of Otranto because we're both taking European Gothic in, in, in uni this term. So we might as well start there since we've both read it. We have no excuse. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, ah, oh, fine. Uh, all of my plans, all of my, all of my, all of my plans scuppered. Yeah, but I think it's actually a very fitting first episode. I think it's a good it first is, episode. You know, we're putting first... out. Feet- we're putting out feelers. We're fe- we're you know getting getting to grips with how we're going to discuss this and how we're going to go on from here. And also, it's the first. It's the original gothic. Oh, your novel. point is way better. Yeah. So it's <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's kind of like you know everything everything that follows every every book that we will probably read will have been inspired by this in some way. Oh yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so, <laughs> beautiful. Um, beautiful. We're still on track. We're still... We're, exactly. It makes sense. It's all worked out. And uh, it won't take us another eight months to do the next episode. It will probably come out in the next few weeks because we have to read the month by then. Yep. So, <laughs> so um, I guess that's, that's, that's where we should end it. Uh, subscribe. Is that what people do? Like and subscribe. Prescribe Leave yourself to, <laughs> to our podcast. <laughs> so that, yeah, if you want to hear more from us and you want to hear about what we think of the monk, um, subscribe so that you don't have to worry about checking back. It will just tell you. And you can hear our voices in your ears once again. Like I said, we are doing the monk. I will make some kind of email and leave it in the comments below if you want to read it along with us and leave us your thoughts mm-hmm. which i'm sure will be 10 times more uh, <laughs> together and we're gonna have a better plan next time oh yeah we're we gonna have a... <laughs> we definitely will. <laughs> have a better plan in place for the monk um and yeah if you want to if you want to send us your thoughts on it do so we would be yeah because this is this is this is a book club so join in and uh on that note we will see you we'll sign off yeah you will hear us in your ears very soon In the meantime, farewell. Goodbye! Bye!